Ryan, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be honest. Do you like me when I'm angry? <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I recall once when you were sick in college and you were <laughs> upset with certain so social circumstances that were currently being uh, that were currently going on. And you had the, the special tissue that I've never heard of that's like soaked in like uh, NyQuil or something. So mm -hmm. it helps clean your sinuses like when you just hold it to your nose. And you were just so mad that you were just like grumbling about something. You're like, nah, nah, nah. and when we were, and then Dave and I were talking about something else, and you'd be like, you know, what would be great if this happened to me. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I love you when you're angry. You're just so frustrated, and, and you just vocalize all your frustrations in really intelligent ways, which makes it even more hilarious. Uh, I'm glad I was I was there for entertainment purposes. Nowadays, I if I get angry, it's usually at an electronic thing. Because uh, mm. they always have issues, and uh, it just ends up being like a Fred Flintstone, or, or more like a Yosemite Sam situation, <laughs> where it's just gibberish. Like my computer yeah. will turn off because the lights go out, and it'll be like, "Whoa, you wretched, wretched, nobody, don't take a ring, son of a bear. and you'll just hear that for like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's fair. Um, that is fair. I but I'll tell you, you know who I like when they're angry is definitely Jennifer Walters, Tatiana Mislani. We did it, people. We did it. This is probably, in my humble opinion, my humble opinion, the best Disney Plus show yet. It is the best, and and it's not because what it gave me; it's because what it's going going to give me while giving me what I've already seen. Wow, I am super excited to find out more about why you feel that way. I had a great time too. You hated totally, it. You thought it was the stupid. It's the worst thing ever. Ruined my childhood. Ruined my child's childhood. Um, you know, for for a first episode, this was a lot of fun. I've I you know we got eight more of these to go, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it changes. But I've said this before a million times to you, my friend. This was three years ago when they announced their first slate of shows this was the show that had me the most excited and of course it had to be the one i had to wait the longest for but so far seems like she hulk is worth the wait uh first of all welcome to affinity rewatch everybody uh, i am not yosemite sam i'm andrew fantasia and my handsome co-host is brian j whitehead and we're going to talk about she hulk episode one the phantom menace Whoa. Whoa. i wish we painted ourselves green for this uh, I, I want to start with something, though. It's not She-Hulk related, but it is Phase 4 related. And this is okay. actually old. This is from July 21st. That's how long I've been holding on to this, because I wanted to bring it up on, on our show. But wow. uh, I think you'll like this, Ryan. It was uh, written, it's a quote taken from one of the Russo brothers. Can't remember which one. But they're addressing... Most like, I'm going to say most likely Joe, because Anthony's a bit more of the quiet one. You're right. Joe's way more outspoken, and he's candid. And this is a very candid quote. Uh, he's addressing the whole issue of like how a lot of whiny fans are kind of going like phase four sucks, you know, like how it was over the past few months. Uh, so Joe presumably had this to say, and I just thought it was a great quote. He said, when I was 19, I used to love U2. And then they started getting some commercial success beyond their MTV early days where they were the biggest band in the world. And I was like, I hate you too. I'm sick of you too. They're so ubiquitous. 
That was just my ego trying to define myself against the masses. Then 10 years later, I was like, I fucking love you too. Why did I do that? I outgrew it. It feels like a very juvenile conversation. The whole thing feels very sad and cynical and pessimistic. You're talking about movies that 10 year olds are weeping over and begging to go see. They'll remember for decades that they were there with their grandfather. Like, give me an effing break. Uh, like he's just talking about how people are, you know, really harping on phase four and saying it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, and it, he's right. It's this defense mechanism of like, I have to be different because everybody loves it. So I'm going to find something bad. And it's so juvenile. And I'm just, let's all just move past it together. Here's the thing. You know, you're right. Let's move past it. Let's get into it. And and here's the thing. Phase four, Kevin Feige, during the red carpet premiere of She-Hulk, admitted phase four was about introducing a plethora of new characters. And I think it's smart. Personally, I think it's a smart approach because here's the thing. We're in a position where we came out of Endgame, which, like, we got the final product. We, got, we completed a full journey. We went full circle. Mm -hmm. And, like, we closed it, and, you know, that's it. You know, chapter's done, right? And then we kick off Phase 4. And the reason why they're, like, you look at movies like Black Widow and, like, or, sorry, you look at, like, a movie like Black Widow was a bit weaker was because we were revisiting a character so early. Like, like, it... It was in such an awkward spot because it's they should have done it sooner, like right after Endgame was done, because then you can like, you know, get rid of the last few pieces of content that you wanted to talk about. But because and unfortunately, because of COVID, we were forced to constantly wait. And it's like, OK, we want to know what's happened. And I don't want to revisit a character because I know what that's going to mean. I know that. We revisit the character, you know, especially Black Widow. I know Black Widow died. And so I, you know, I know they're going to introduce a new character. There wasn't much, there wasn't as much surprise as I was hoping for. But when it comes to phase four, you need to start net net new. And you need to introduce a lot of characters and, and talk about how things have impacted. And that's why Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness works. Because it's it's more about... It's not about Doctor Strange. It's about the new character. It's about, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Uh, uh, America? America Chavez. Because it's about her. Because it, you know, she's jumping from dimension to dimension. And, you know, you're coming off of Wanda, who's who we know the story because of WandaVision. But on top of that, we, we know her journey. And like now she's like trying to recreate her family from WandaVision. So it's like, it's perfect because it's literally just, continues forward and song chi is perfect because it's like okay it's about it's about the 10 rings and then how song chi is involved and you know and then miss marvel was a great story for that example as well because literally she's a fan uh who's like been in the world and it made me actually appreciate hawkeye a bit more because kate bishop's a literal result of hawkeye's actions in avengers yeah and, and that's that's the kind of you know i'm a big fan of of when it's done right the passing of the torch which brings me to she hulk because it is the perfect blend of classic comic book storytelling 
into new characters and new, you know, uh, new territory in a really fun way. Oh, hell yeah. The the new characters are, are coming. Like, I can just feel them on the horizon. And she's going to open up a world uh, or a part of the world that we haven't seen. And then that's really exciting. Oh man, I was I was I was almost tempted for us, and I'm you know I'm gonna take a quick moment here, and apologize that we did not get this episode to you sooner. Uh, That's but, my uh, fault because of camp. It's totally yeah, my fault. It, it was a lot of faults, uh, but uh, <laughs> but my point is uh, we're here now, and I was I was almost tempted to do a kind of pre She Hulk show with you because I have a feeling we're gonna get introduced to a lot very quickly. Um, I like, I actually think mutants or even, or even the fantastic four are in this. I have a big feeling that, that there's going to be some big drops in the show. I mean, of course we're getting daredevil back and the, the trailer teased that, but I, but I can't help but feel that there's a lot more coming like a lot more because think about it too. Like fantastic four have gone to court a lot for like small claim stuff, like damage they've done to the city and what have you. So it's, it's so possible that we we could get you know an x-men character we can get fantastic four character and not introduce the whole group but at least we get like at least you know one or two characters from that group and build off of that i have a big feeling that that's going to be dropped and again yeah with she hulk man oh my god the storytelling is just ah well if you rewind the clock to the mid to late 1990s when the incredible hulk had his animated series she-Hulk debuts in an episode where Mr. Dr. Victor Von Doom shows up. So there's already some tie-ins happening there, but I've been of the mind the past like couple months where I'm really trying to get myself out of the headspace of guest star characters and zero in on the person whose name is on the marquee. Uh, I think that did that made Miss Marvel even more enjoyable for me. Um, I think it made Thor Love and Thunder more enjoyable for me. And now in the first episode of She-Hulk, it's already making it enjoyable for me because I can just look at that character and see like, what's her deal? Is she going to deliver the goods? And so far, right, she is delivering the goods. Now, I want you to tell me some lore here because all I know about She-Hulk comes from um, a couple of random comics I read as a kid, a couple of trading cards I read as a kid. And the cartoon, wherein uh, Jen gets pretty messed up. She's hurt. Uh, Hulk is fighting Doctor Doom. And he gives her a blood transfusion. And bada-bing, bada-boom. She's a tall, sexy green lady with powers who can, like, bench press a tank. Uh, what's different from this show from her comic origins, if anything? So a couple of things I want to talk about when we get into this. So directly answer your question, there is some major changes that they did from the from the comic. So in the comic, uh, what happened was uh, Jennifer Walters is, you know, pretty successful lawyer and, and she's doing really well. When Bruce comes in the room and he's just like, oh, my God, he's just he's on the run. He is on the right. run because government's after him. Cops are after him, you know. Uh, Ross is after him the whole nine yards and he, and, and he hasn't told Jen anything and Jen, and then they kind of establish Jen as the, she establishes the relationship that they're like essentially brother and sister. So the, they're very, very close. They tell each other everything, that kind of thing. 
So, so Chen has up, no idea who he is, like who, well, who, what that he's the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, she has no idea that he's the Hulk. Wow. So he ends up confessing to her, and this is like the first comic, so it's pretty like, go, 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 right? Yeah. And so he ends up confessing to her that like, look, I'm the Hulk, and uh, that was me. And she's like, so wait, you're you're telling me you're the guy that turns into the giant green monster, and wrecked all this stuff? And he's like, yeah, oh, my, yeah, it's me. So she's like, oh my God, I'm here to help you. You know, you've helped me through some hard times. So you know what? No, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. Let's go to my place. So she ends up taking him to his place. And there's two shadowy figures that are after, um, that are after uh, Bruce Banner. And, and they start obviously realizing that he's in cahoots with Jennifer Walters. And his name is Nick Trask. And what he ends up doing is like they, as they're running into her house, the guy shoots her and she ends up bleeding a lot. And then Bruce picks her up and then like ends up um, going to a friend's place. That's a doctor, but he's not there. And then he ends up doing the blood transfusion and he forgot that his blood is gamma irradiated and that's cool. Create She-Hulk. And the best part is, is like, uh, she doesn't. She doesn't activate into She-Hulk until she actually goes to the hospital. And in the hospital, the the Nick Trash guy, Nick Trask guy, uh, and another shadowy figure like wake her up and is like, is like, uh, is like, okay, where is he? Kind of thing. And they're like holding her, and then she just triggers into She-Hulk. <laughs> now, fun fact about this is that. Uh, if you really enjoy that story and you want to learn more, at six minutes and 17 seconds, you'll notice there's a scene where Tatiana Mislani just became She-Hulk and she runs into the, the bar and heads straight to the washroom. Now, just before she enters the washroom, there's a hallway she goes down and there's a sign that says Girls Night and there's a QR code. If you scan the QR code, it gives you the first issue, the Savage She-Hulk. I want the first issue of Savage She-Hulk. Now this time, now I've I've tried to get the Moon Knight one for the life of me, which is impossible to scan because of the angle of the camera, um, and I couldn't get it. But apparently, when you do, you get the West Coast Avengers issue where Moon Knight goes against Kang, and it's a really good comic. I can't get it. I tried. I've tried a thousand different ways, uh, but the She Hulk one, I feel like they did a better job this time around. But because like the QR code's a bit more centered. And yeah, when you scan it, it takes you to the first issue. Oh man, that's so cool! Yeah, I'm actually re- I'm actually really proud of Marvel for doing that because it's yeah. just it's it, not only is it a great way for the younger audiences to like get into comics, which I think is really important. It is yes, it extremely is extremely important to get into comics and and see where these stories come from. Uh, but the other side of the coin is is that. Um, it's a great nod to the fans who've grown up with these characters. Like, it's that moment of when I scanned it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, and now now I'm gonna keep my eye out for like these QR codes more because again, it took a it took a second watching, which I will say for a first episode, they throw a lot at you. It's actually pretty hard to keep up with what's going on in the episode. They do throw a lot. I was not expecting it to be as much as it was even though i'm mm. sure like in the grand scheme of things with hindsight we're gonna look back on this episode and be like wow that was just the tip of the iceberg but there was i feel like judging by what we got and judging by what we got in the trailers 
I don't think we're seeing Bruce again until maybe the finale. I think Bruce um, is done. I, th- I think he might have a few more kind of guest surprises in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and speaking of Bruce Banner, you know, one thing I forgot to mention about your question was you're like, okay, in the cartoon they did this and that. The, the car saving scene actually came from a combination of things. Primarily it came from the actual Incredible Hulk show with Luke Ferrigno, the real one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in that one, he has a car accident uh, and Jennifer pulls him out. And and uh, yeah, yeah, pulls him out and then he, he gets out kind of thing. Um, uh, or no, sorry, unsuccessfully pulls him out and he turns into the Hulk and, and that's that. Uh, oh, wow. So that's where that inspiration came from. And in fact, uh, Mark Ruffalo is wearing the same outfit that David or the Bruce Banner of that show wore. That's dedication, baby. That's great. Yeah. So the Doctor Doom thing, I think that was more... Um, uh, I think it was more just the cartoon, just trying to cut, cut some, uh, put some pieces together to get a narrative going kind of thing, which that incredible Hulk show is a bit underrated. I watched a couple episodes. There's a really good one with ghost rider that I'm a really big fan of. Um, it is under, I, I'd say it's my third favorite of the, those Marvel shows after X-Men and Spider-Man. That Hulk show was real, real good. The fantastic four show up ghost rider shows up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I think he fights, I could be wrong, but I think he fights Sasquatch at one point from Alpha Flight. Yeah, he fights Sasquatch. He fights the Wendigo. He yeah. fights uh, Hulkbuster, uh, Iron Man. It's it's a it's a real it's a real joy to watch. And and I mean the animation, it's kind of I I want to say it's around X Men time. So, but it doesn't quite hold up to X Men, but it still it still holds up. Like if you if you just want to sit through and watch it. They do a good job with She-Hulk in that show. It's actually really fun. Oh, She-Hulk is the best part of that show. She, all her episodes are just like, yes, She-Hulk's coming. <laughs> she just yeah. has so much fun. She's all, She enjoys being She-Hulk so much, and that's such a breath of fresh air. There's a lot of superheroes that like to brood, Ryan. They like to be like, this is my gift, my curse. My- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, Jen is just here like, hey, I'm eight feet tall now and I can punch whatever I want. Let's have a great time. Let's go clubbing. Absolutely. And and you know what? And like this show, they really captured the fun that is She-Hulk. Now, She-Hulk has always kind of had fun throughout the 80s. And, and like the, what, what I will de- deem as the Silver Age of Comics, as my brother uh, delightfully illustrates. And there are some really good runs, uh, John Bryan runs, that uh, she has. But she didn't get a resurgence till 2000, where a writer took over that actually was in, like he used to be a lawyer. So he was actually quite familiar with the law system. And they did this kind of She-Hulk attorney at law kind of story experience, which was really fun. And it really reinvigorated the character. And and all the comics now about She-Hulk are all based off this 2000 run Um that really makes it fun. And the other thing I want to mention too, speaking of like the beginning and comic books and stuff like that, did you notice what her opening speech was about? It was about like power and responsibility without actually saying power and responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a huge nod to the, it was a huge argumentative nod to with great power comes great responsibility. And her question is like, what does that mean? And it's it's a really good tone setter for this character. It is perfect because 
and what I like about it, what I like about it as like a comic book fan growing up with all the media outlets of con like Marvel stuff is like, of course, I think any 90s kid, any 80s, 90s kid that grew up with Spider-Man kind of or even not Spider-Man, but like kind of realized that Spider-Man was like the central character of Marvel. Like the like DC is to Batman what Marvel is to Spider-Man. Like right. any DC fan, you know, synonymously will love Batman. Like they just like it's just like inherent, you know, uh, and the same goes for Marvel. If you love Marvel, chances are you're going to love everything else. No doubt. Uh, but you're going to like Spider-Man is going to stand out above the rest. And the reason why I say that is, is because like grew up in, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s was spider-man was everywhere like everywhere like that was their cash cow they it was spider-man x-men and then maybe the fantastic four but like spider-man and x-men were like the top top ones but spider-man was like the lead one to get the kids because it was just yeah. like such a, an attractive character and i think i feel like kids grew up with that with great power comes great responsibility and because we kind of got the fan service that we did with phase one through three it's kind of like now it's like all these audiences are like okay well they they've really pumped out a lot of my favorite characters already like and and now we're getting some new ones and and i love how she hulk's kind of setting the bar with like okay what is great what does it mean great power uh, comes great responsibility you know is it is it the ability to defend those who can't defend themselves or is it the ability to you know do more because you can and it's like this whole thing and it's beautiful because it sets the audience up for a new perspective on on the commentary that is marvel and that might be one of the greatest just morality pieces of fiction ever written is just the idea of spider-man's uh, struggle with power and responsibility and what that means like, i don't know if stanley realizes just how timeless that message is and how universal it is like clearly it's applying to she hulk you could apply it to so many other characters um how you can apply it to the real world uh it's really you know you just hop on any politician's twitter page and you can start applying that real quick I don't know if you watched uh, the premiere last night of the new Game of Thrones show, but there was actually a line in it that reminded me very much of the Spider-Man line. Uh, they're talking about uh, possibly giving the throne to this one particular character and somebody's arguing against it and they say, no, 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 uh, he lacks the patience for that. And somebody else counters that and says, the gods have yet to make a man who didn't lack the patience for absolute power. Uh, and I just thought that that's was a good line. That <laughs> is that a great? good line. <laughs> so the fact that she Hulk starts off talking about it, it kind of, it's a great little save the cat way of letting us know, like this lady is in it for all the right reasons, even though she's probably going to do some wacky questionable things, you know, she's, she's our hero. Uh, and you know, we, if we follow her, we're following the side of justice. So I'm like, yes, I'm on board. 100%. Oh my god, yeah. And yeah, so oh, like with She-Hulk. Oh man, yeah, it just sets such a beautiful bar. And I again, like just like that opening line actually is I, it's a real tone setter uh for storytelling for She-Hulk. And and oh man, it's Tati Tatiana Maslany is she's so fun, man. Mm -hmm. She can, she is one of the few actors that can deliver heart and yet then yet have just as much fun afterwards like being just like silly. Like, I love, like, one of my favorite lines, like, just before, like, we go into, like, 
her breaking the fourth wall essentially she's like the only hulking i'm doing is like <laughs> you know bringing justice like that kind of thing and it's it's oh it's so fun but you're right yeah i think stan lee really didn't know um didn't know the genius he had when he had that line because it's you're right it's kind of just like this timeless uh timeless line that really can define any generation in any which way because like we we all go through it at some point right exactly so uh i'm curious to see because she already seems to be the kind of person who knows that mm -hmm. great power and great responsibility go hand in hand i'm curious to see what her arc is going to be uh and i think based off what we saw in this episode i i feel like jen's arc is going to be something along the lines of um I, because I can control my Hulk better than my cousin, it automatically means I'm better than him in every way. And like, she's going to let that get to her head. And I think she's going to let the success get to her head. Um, it's going to be not a Jekyll and Hyde thing, but um, I'm trying to think of a good example from pop culture. And I know there is one where it's like somebody has a split personality where the second personality comes out and it's more like of an alpha personality and it gives them the mask things. Yeah. That's a great one, man. The mask. Yeah. It, it, it turns her. The one it, with it Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not the somber character piece with Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Hey. Uh, no, it, it, it turns her life upside down for the better. And she starts to embrace it and be like, why would I ever want to be me when I can be her? Um, and then somebody's got to set her straight and be like, because you're you and that's what makes you awesome. Uh, yeah. You were awesome before you could turn green and punch people to the moon. So I want to I, I, I want to see that arc. I think that's the most interesting arc for her. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. I mean, in the uh, in the Silver Age for She-Hulk, she actually had a story arc with the Fantastic Four when uh, she was exposed to radiation and and got to a point where she uh had a, she was unable to change back to jennifer walters Ooh. but what they learned uh what mr fantastic learned was she was just so happy being she hulk that she created a mental block that uh, that disabled her ability to revert back oh wow so she does she does fall in love with she hulk and and there's there's an interesting there was an interesting video i watched where they talked about and i i can't I can't regurgitate it back as poetically as they did, but the reason, and I'm a big fan of when comic books do, when, when people decipher comic books in this way, but they were talking about how She-Hulk is a perfect example of, you know, where there's a, there's a suppressed part of us that we want to be, but we can never be because we like, we just can't live up to that expectation. Uh, but She-Hulk is like the perfect domination of the ego over the id uh, where like the tip of the the whole tip of the iceberg for her is like the reverse is that she actually accesses, you know, deep what's under the iceberg and brings it out and it makes her life infinitely better. And the best part is, is like there, she's able to have better control over it because of just there's a way that there's a way I don't know how to describe it, but there's a way that women think in that sense. And I can't regurgitate it back. You guys can look at it. You listeners can look it up. I'm sure you'll find it. I can't remember the reference right now, but there was that conversation. And it's and She-Hulk's a good example of that because, like, um, you know, 
it's it's one of the it's, to simply say it it's you look at banner and banner is afraid of what he can the potential in which he has where she embraces it and you can see the control that she has through that experience and it's a beautiful thing well that control leads me to my next question about the show um because uh, I think the control thing of the power, I find that so fascinating. It reminds me of the Clone Wars, uh, where there's this great episode in late Clone Wars where Yoda goes and he does this whole sort of pilgrimage through the Force and stuff. And Yoda meets uh, sort of a dark spirit that is his dark self, like a like basically think of Shadow Link from Zelda, like but Yoda. Yeah. And he has to fight him, and it's like this twisted little goblin thing, and the whole sort of way that Yoda overcomes that. Hello! Isabella just did a cameo. She pulled a Daredevil cameo. Yeah. Daredevil just, cameo. <laughs> tell, tell her she's got a backflip out of the room now. <laughs> oh, she's already gone, but I, uh, I'll let her know next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Yoda, the way Yoda fights this, this dark version of himself is to embrace the fact that everybody, even him, even wonderful sweet Yoda, has darkness in him and it's not about not having darkness it's about realizing you have darkness and asserting your control over it and not letting it take over and choosing the light all the time yeah but even dr dr strange covered that dr strange covered that uh with baron mordo you know like baron baron's like oh you helped me conquer my demons you helped me destroy them and she's like you can't can't conquer your demons you have to learn to walk over them and it's just like that's "Mm." right yeah so that whole the whole idea of embracing your darkness as part of you, but never letting it win. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of that going on with She-Hulk, but then we get this great little moment where it's Jen explaining like, listen, as a woman, I have had to deal with controlling my anger basically my whole life because it could mean my life at the end of the day. Uh, And you, Bruce, as a guy, you have not had to deal with that the way I have. So, that creates this cool little reason for why she's not just a rampaging beast the minute she transforms. And I want to know in the comics, is it kind of because of the same reason or do they explain it in another way? They more or less explain it in another way. Uh, Like visually it was that kind of, visually that kind of storytelling was there. Um, So that they, they she doesn't spell it out as as she did beautifully in the show and this is a really good example of to me when you're not when you're not pushing the preaching too much in in my way of saying it like i'm all for that contemporary writing and 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 more importantly i'm i'm all for that um i'm all for that connection relation to a character i'm all for that and and there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And like, and sometimes I feel like something like with Captain Marvel, they kind of pushed it on the audience a bit too much, but the way they did it with She-Hulk, which was really just beautiful. And it's, it's a tragically beautiful thing. Like it it really is. And it, it it should be a very big eye opener for a lot of like, you know, for a lot of audiences and bringing that awareness to uh to everybody because everyone should be aware of these kind of things but um the important thing that i liked about it was she shared it in a moment of vulnerability and you know it's it's one thing to do it 
when the character's at a strong level and just like, yeah, we're going to do it because we're tough. And it's like, you don't need to tell me you're tough. You need to show me in a moment of vulnerability that you are tough and you can overcome things. Yes. It's hard to explain back to somebody, but I think we all, like you all as listeners, and of course you Fantasia, like you, especially you, because you're, you're a writer. So you, like it's, you can't preach it like it's an anthem. You have to preach it in the, in the moment where the character is being truly tried and like and the going through the crucible to like become this person and i i love that moment and i and, and yeah so it, it happens in the comics more visually and she responds where in this one she's just like in a, in a moment of true confession that it's like you know this is how it is and that's scary like the, you know it's you know it's easy you know it's easy for you to you know experience this but it's, you know, I experience, or sorry, it's hard for you to experience this, but I, it, it's worse for me because I experience it every day. And that's intense. Like that's, oof, all it feels. It is. It's a beautiful moment to uh, set up this person as, like you just beautifully said, she's strong because she was vulnerable in that moment, because she was able to just, because I don't think, uh, I think it would have taken a long time for Bruce to get to that point where he could have, said that and been that candid to somebody but she's you know right away jennifer's like look this is why i can control my fear and it's a shitty reason but here it is uh and that that little speech of her in human form sitting on the sand you know hunched over looking deflated exerts more strength as a character than any shot of her lifting rocks or you know tossing a jeep over her shoulder like that right there is showing us yes this person is strong because of this moment absolutely and and again this is to me this is that this is that relation to the viewer where it's like like i'm sure a lot of women out there just totally rallied behind that moment because yeah, it's such totally. like it's always to have it's always nice to have a champion in a fictional world that helps overcome situations that are similar to maybe your own experiences or close enough to your own experiences to have that. I mean, you know, like that's why for me, like, you know, I, I kind of rally behind Captain America or Spider-Man because there are similar experiences that I have, I can share that, that really gives that character, me and that character, that, that really strong relation. And, and, you know, power to Marvel to find that formula for She-Hulk. And I'm sure that was a real big umph moment for a lot of people. And just, not just women, but I'm sure there are, are other people out there who have experienced that. And it's, yeah, it's just, ooh, those are, those are the comic book moments I live for. I live for that. It's just, oh, it just feeds, it feeds my moral fiber so much. And it just, oh, I love it. Yes. In fact, I had, I have uh, something cool to share with you that I, I didn't even really think of until maybe like a few months ago, but I was actually thinking of this topic of like superheroes and like, you know, who are the ones I relate to most? Cause I'm not really like any of them. Uh, Spider-Man is very relatable. Hence, you know, the, he's popular for a reason. Anybody can relate to him. Uh, but I coming, found it's recently, a coming of age character. That's why it is. You know, and yeah. you know, Stan covered him up because it could be anybody under there. It could be any ethnicity. It doesn't matter who's under the mask. It's, it's about the man underneath. Um, and, but over the last few months, I actually started to think, and I'm like, you know what, because of what I do now, you know, what my work has me doing, how I'm interacting with people, I'm starting to feel 
this really cool little kinship with Professor Charles Xavier of just like, there are all these people in the world who can achieve great things. And I want to be like, hey, let's talk about all the great things you can do. Let me let me help you find your way to that. And uh, I, like, that's what Charles is all about. Uh, and he he just, you know, he, he sits in his beautiful house and he has tea and he talks about the once and future king. And I'm like, that's, I want to do that. <laughs> so so uh, Charles Charles is my my new idol in the Marvel Cinematic. And that's Marvel amazing. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I'm sure I'm sure that's also going to be a good motivator for you to, to dive into more comic book story arcs with him. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll go as him for Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like shaving my head. I'll go as first class Charles Xavier. He's like, nobody touches my hair. Even though there's not a lot of hair to touch. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, no, it's... that's But that's it. Like, that's the beautiful Marvel moment. And and the same could go for relating to villain villain characters like Magneto and Doctor Doom. Like, they, all, they each have their own journey that you could easily relate to depending on your life experience, right? Like, you know, it's it's all projections. Um, but uh, yeah, no, and that's why, like, yeah, I mean, we could gush more and more about those moments. But I mean, that's awesome, dude. Like, that is, I'm glad you shared that because that, that is a great piece of little information there. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. So we get this training montage. I I uh, love a good training montage. <laughs> I know, right? uh, uh, yeah. And and uh, we we get a lot of cool stuff kind of thrown in this montage. And one thing that got me excited, and I messaged you about it, was um, Bruce shows off this this incinerator, which I have dubbed for the purposes of this theory I'm about to drop, Chekhov's incinerator, um, because he's putting her blood in there or his blood in there, somebody's blood in there. Her her blood. Her, her blood. Thank you to be like. Hey, we can't let this get out because even the smallest amount, like I almost poisoned Stan Lee with a bottle of pop once. I'm not doing that again. Um, and I couldn't help but think, you know, you don't put something like that just willy nilly unless it's going to come into play later. At some point, I feel like somebody's blood is going to get out there and we're going to get ourselves a Red Hulk and I'm going to be a happy man. I I have a feeling that it, it could go that way as well. I mean... I mean, I think I think Hulk is is definitely been a character who's been winning a lot, like like in terms of winning newer audiences, just because of like, you know, and you could you could argue with me until your you know face turns like blue, but like the Agents of Smash, you know, it's not it's not for me, but I'm sure kids love it. Like kids love the Hulk, you know, like even they did that nice little cheesy moment in the in the in Endgame where he's like Hulk out, you know, like. <laughs> Like just how he relates to the kids. It's, it's so funny and it's so perfect. But but yeah, I think that I think that there's gonna be enough hype to do like a Hulk series. Uh there's I mean, we can even get Hulk Ling, which is a scroll character. Um we could get Scar, which is like Hulk's kid from like World War Hulk. So and then we could get future Hulk with Maestro. Maestro, um, yeah. So that would be really cool as well. So there's different ways in which they could do it. Absolutely. Do I think a Red Hulk is coming? I don't see why not. I mean, you know, you already talked about Stern, Samuel Stern and the the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, which I recently watched a few a uh, uh, few weeks back. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I I have a feeling it's definitely possible. But the question would remain: Is like, of course, Red Hulk. There was a big push for uh, obviously 
uh, Ross to get to become Red Hulk. So do you recast Ross or do you do Talbot in replacement? Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, Marvel has been really good with uh, kind of taking two characters and saying, you know, there's no good reason why they can't be one character. Uh, so they may end mm. up doing that. I've heard some people say Ed Harris would make a great recasting for Thunderbolt Ross. I think that, that that's plausible. I can, I can see him doing that. Um, you could even theoretically, even though I wouldn't want them to go this route because I like the leader, you could theoretically have uh, the guy who is the Samuel Stearns become the, 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 the Red Hawk. But I don't know. See, that's too too close, too close to the to the bullet on that one. Only yeah. because again, uh, the leader is a very specific character. Exactly. Like he, like he's he's a big centralized Hulk character, and like you could like for example, the to dodge the Red Hulk thing, you could do. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Give me a second. Green hair, super strong. Doc Samson. Uh, Doc Samson. Thank you. Yes. So you could have a run of that where he get he you know turns turns fully into a Hulk, and then you can revert him back, and then he becomes Doc Samson that we all know and love. So there's that way to dodge it, but to change the leader, it's too close. And yeah. and and to be fair, Marvel has learned from their mistakes. I mean, you know, you look at you look at uh, Whiplash and Crimson Dynamo in Iron Man Two. Those two characters, though they were pretty big in the comics in in their own way, they're still overall in the in the Marvel spectrum of villains. They're pretty B listing, C listing characters. So you could get away with it, and which they I I feel they did. I feel in Iron Man two they did get away with it because in the end it was just, it was just cool to see the whiplash moment. But overall, it's like it's Crimson Dynamo. It's just yeah. Crimson Dynamo with the Whiplash cosmetic, essentially. Whiplash um, does not have enough of a following mm -hmm. that it would have turned into a hashtag not my Whiplash situation. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other thing too, uh, in that moment in the training montage, one thing I loved is like her realization that she's a Hulk, and she's like, "You can do it for me. You can cure me." Like, I I love that desperation that she had um and like and and banner's just like uh who sounds a lot like you at times by the way yeah um, but he's <laughs> he's just like he's like yeah he's like it, you know i've been trying to cure myself for you know years and like but that's another thing why i think like mutants and stuff are going to start becoming a role in this because uh because again is that is that very story of her wanting a cure and he doesn't have it and like she could at least and again it's not gonna be a big x-men character but it will be a x-men character where she's probably gonna pass that same thing where she's teaching people to accept it and it's like you know i don't know you'll have to find somebody out there but i'm sure there's somebody out there that, that can help you accept you know who you are kind of messaging right i'm so glad you think i sound like mark ruffalo because awesome. <laughs> there's moments there's moments you guys have the same speech pattern and it's yeah. just, it's it's close and I, I do have a cousin who looks an awful lot like Jennifer Walters on this show. She's not a lawyer. That would be amazing if she was. Uh, when you said that, there was, a, there was a split second where I'm like, is your cousin Tatiana Mislani? <laughs> <laughs> is she Canadian? For some reason, I feel like she's Canadian, but I don't think she She is Canadian? Yeah. Wow. She's from, uh, she's from uh, Saskatchewan. So we got two 
headlining Canadian stars in Marvel back to back. We have a lot more than that, but yeah, we we I mean we have we have Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. We have um, we have uh, Song Chi. Thank you, uh, uh, Iman uh, Iman uh, Miss Marvel herself is from Toronto. Yeah, that's that's the back to back. I mean, it's her and her and uh, She Hulk. So yeah, yeah and then the other guys. Actually, I don't know why I didn't open with this, but uh, my teaching assistant for my camp that I just did last week. Um, he was uh, friends with Iman Vellani. Uh, they went to the same high school. They were in the drama program. So like he hung out with her a couple of years ago. Like he said, like he would hang out with her regularly up until like 2019 when they graduated, whatever. And uh, he was like, yeah, look, I have a picture from a party. And like, there they were. So I was one degree of separation from me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there you go. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? That like you knew somebody that like turned into a, a Marvel hero. Like, I know, it's just, right? uh, it's just crazy. But I mean, yeah, we have a lot of Canadian like actors in Marvel. Like, you know, Agent Thirteen. We have uh, Maria Hill. We have. Yeah. Oh man, we have so so many. It's all part of our evil plan to take over the MCU from the inside out. Here's what will really be interesting. Will they cast? Here's my. Here's one of my predictions. Will they cast Wolverine as a Canadian? Pro as a Canadian. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice yeah. to cast a nice Canadian boy to play Wolverine? I'd be hey, they for should. That. Yeah. They should. I mean, Dead, I'm not sure if Deadpool the character is is a Canadian, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious that they'll cast a Canadian for Wolverine. I, I really want to see that. I think I want to say I'm like 90% sure Deadpool is Canadian. I, think he I thought so too. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know for sure. He's, he's really just like extreme Wolverine. Like <laughs> how can we take everything that Wolverine is and make him even more? So if like if Wolverine is from like Toronto, Ontario, Deadpool's from like super up north where everybody says A and just goes to Tim Hortons, Ontario. That's yeah. That's how Canadian he is. Um, yeah. You want to hear a fun fact, Ryan? Yes, I love fun facts. Bruce tells Jen, uh, it took me 15 years to, uh, to learn how to control my Hulkness. Uh, and it has been almost 15 years since the Incredible Hulk came out. What? Oh, my God. That was, I think, June 2008. It is now August 2022. So, yeah, in less than a year, it'll be 15 years since that movie stole our hearts and destroyed harlem <laughs> well what's funny too is uh incredible hulk destroyed toronto <laughs> i mean you know young street right um but uh yeah no that's amazing man i mean so yeah getting back to the show so first of all here's the other thing we haven't talked about yet that i think is really important you know kevin feige said he wanted to avoid origin stories from like essentially from dr strange like the right. first Doctor Strange is like, we've done it. Original stories are boring. I want to move on. I want to just get into the character. But what a brilliant way to to do an origin story in like one episode. In, in the sense of like, literally it's like, I'm Jennifer Walters. Yes, I'm a Hulk. Here's how it happened. And it was just yeah. like, quick recap. It was a recap. That's how it was done. It was sold as a recap. And that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. 
Well, talk about using your your uniqueness to its full potential. Like she's the only character aside from Deadpool who can turn to the camera and do that. So why yes. not? Absolutely, Absolutely, why not? And and I mean, but like that's the thing. That's why it works for Moon Knight. Moon Knight, it was like we got, and I loved how they, oh, I loved how they did that Moon Knight episode. But like literally, we got a recap moment where he's just like, yeah, it was sold to become Moon Knight, and it's just like we're watching it as it's happening, as the characters are watching it, and it's like, oh, genius, genius. Yeah, even by I remember when Doctor Strange one came out. Even at that point, I remember like thinking along those same lines of like this, these you know solo origin movies are really played out. Uh, and even though that movie turned out great, it's like you could tell Marvel was really just trying to not do them uh, to the point where, you know, they did a, a great origin story for Black Panther that took place outside of Black Panther, etc. So there was, uh, it was already kind of in the zeitgeist that like, hey, we don't want to do these because that's what, you know, the pre-MCU Hollywood was doing was just a bunch of these cut and dry by the numbers origin tales uh the mm. first one is always the origin of the hero and then the sequels will be origins of the villains here's the origin of doc ock and now let's watch spider-man beat him so it's it's uh they're moving away from the formula and taking everything to a different place because that's the world that he wanted to build so i'm glad that he felt it that early uh, and we're still getting origins like shang chi and like you know it's still happening, but like you're saying, they're doing it in a much more interesting way. And She-Hulk is another beautiful prime example of that. It's also a good example of something that I thought was really cool. It's the first, because you know me, I love colorful things, right? I'm talking about how much I love colorful things. Uh, and Marvel has lots of great colorful things, but this is the first MCU anything that uses a tropical color palette for the, for its setting. Uh, and yeah. I hope it stays that way. I thought I always thought She Hulk was a New York bound, uh, New York based superhero, but apparently she's she LA. Is. Um, well, she's no, she's she's uh, she's New York, she kind of jumps a lot, she moves around a lot, but she is primarily in the New York sector for a bit and then she moves to LA for a while. Okay, okay. Well, I hope I like the idea of her hopping around, but I, I hope well, wherever she is, they keep up with this tropical color palette because it, it suits her, it's just it's perfect. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, no, I love the tropical scenery. I mean, what I loved about this, though, was the genius of storytelling here. Talk about, talk about telling a story. So I love that we, that we go to the Hulk Island, if you will. Um, <laughs> and, and what's funny is, is if you go back to Age of Ultron, the conversation that at Stark and Banner have, he's like, was the creation of Ultron. They were like, what if you were sipping mojitos on a beach drinking or sorry uh you know what if you were drinking uh mojitos instead of turning green or, and your skin turning brown instead of green and so they kind of had that moment after endgame or sorry uh sorry after infinity war where they go to this island and they just you know zit you know yeah. they lost that's it and they just drink their problems away kind of thing so it was per it was a perfect way and and we did this in text analysis uh, when we were in our program, which is like, what were the characters doing between the moments that we see on camera? Yes. And this was a beautiful moment. Like, oh, I love it. They had the bar. 
they're both super intelligent people. They probably drank a lot. They talked about Cap because Cap is like, Cap meant a lot to them because of what, you know, Cap was able to, Cap was always able to rally them and get them behind, get them, uh, you know, organized. So that's, that must mean a lot to them to lose someone like that. So that was a really cool scene. And you really get the sense, uh, while Bruce is showing Jen around the island, you really get the sense that he is, even though it was a sad time after Infinity War, Bruce is nostalgic for the time that he spent there because obviously it was with Tony, right? And so he's nostalgic about that time. And and there's this real, uh, like it, it doesn't really spell it out too much in the show. They just kind of leave you to interpret it through the way Mark Ruffalo delivers the dialogue. But there's just this real sense that he's really bummed to be around that place. He loves the place, but it reminds him of things that make him sad. And the only reason I feel that he goes there is to teach Jen. Like, I feel like he's got other places uh, that Tony might've built him that where he can do his work and hide out. But I feel like that place is particularly special to him with the Avengers with Tony. And so like going there is kind of hurts a bit. Uh, so I like that they kind of put that in there, but it just kind of bubbles under the surface. It's not really there because we're rightfully so we're focusing on, on She-Hulk. Yeah, no, rightfully so. But I mean, like, I think the Island was designed so that you could like literally Hulk out and, and affect nobody. Yeah. Like, you'd have to, you'd have to get pretty far in order to do it. Um, but yeah, no. And, and I loved, I, <laughs> it was fun that he's like, you know, to obtain, to be a Hulk, you must obtain balance and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> Uh, it was fun. And then not only like it was such a full packaged episode, I think that's what really makes the, sh the show shine is that is that it was such a full packaged episode, like a roller coaster of emotions um, and then yet filled with so much humor. And on top of that, it also was such a lore builder too, just like explaining uh, little things like the <laughs> I thought the Captain America narrative was absolutely hilarious. She's Captain obsessed America. with the fact that he might be a virgin. What a great I mean, birth. It was so priceless. Uh, and then I had a buddy, I had a buddy of mine who lives in this area. Uh, we actually had a, a Marvel moment where uh, where I was walking Cabbage and he was walking his dog Fife. And Fife's like yay big and yay tall, but they love him and Cabbage love scrapping because like He's just like, Fife is such a scrappy looking dog. Like he just wants to always, he's this little Danny DeVito like dog that loves scrapping with bigger dogs. Oh. Um, but uh, I was wearing my Ghost Rider shirt and uh, and I, I've always had talks with this guy. And the next thing he knows, he's like, oh, I see you're a Marvel fan. I'm like, yeah, I love Marvel. Do you? And he like opens up his jacket to have a Marvel shirt on too. Oh. Yeah, so we had, a, we had a good talk about this stuff. Um, but yeah, he was telling me like, uh, a lot of the fan theories were that there's a woman in the first Captain America movie where she's blonde and she comes up and says hi while he's signing the, the he's doing the photo opportunities. And they're saying that that's Star-Lord's grandmother and that Cap slept with her. And that's like the whole thing. But that's not true. I don't think that's true uh, because it just during the USO tour, I don't think that I, I just don't think that was the moment um, speculation, but it's all speculation. There's like Feige has confirmed that he talked to the writers about like whether or not he was a virgin period, but I don't think it was to the level of detail. That's like, it's this person you see in this scene. Like I've known, I, we all know uh, Feige has done 
done moves before that make you think. For example, the kid in Iron Man 2 wearing the Iron Man helmets, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I fully believe that, but sure, I'll, I'll accept it. The math, the math pays out. But the woman, the, the another fan theory was the woman that, that Natalie Dormer plays in the office that pulls him in for the kiss. They're saying that was the one that he slept with. Oh, I, Which I, makes sense because she's a bit more forward than uh, than uh, you know the other ones. She's she is pretty forward. I I think I like the USO show lady more. I mean, Cap was kind of in a rough place anyway back then. He's just like, mm-hmm. God, I'm a dancing monkey. Whatever, sure, let's go out on a night on the town. Uh, but I think it's so cool that you know nobody knows except us, the audience, and maybe Falcon. Uh, that Cap got to have his life, um, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we got to see that dance that nobody else got to see. So we're yeah. laughing at She-Hulk, but we're also laughing at like we know she has nothing to worry about. Her her theory is is wrong, uh, but I love how in the credits she's got like a, a flow chart. <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really funny, and like the other thing too that I really liked was uh oh man was how easy now it will be for tatiana to just be with other actors at this point like yeah i like she not only proves through banner how much fun she could have with like other avengers characters but now i just want to see her interact with like thousands of like song chi let's see that happen you know what i mean let's see captain marvel i'm sure her and captain marvel could she could actually bring out Captain Marvel in a really good way now. Like, I think she could fix and not only, I, I don't want to say fix and like fixate on that, meaning like there's a lot of things that She-Hulk could help improve on. But I think She-Hulk can really carry, I think that's what I was saying to my brother. I think She-Hulk can really carry a, a whole phase and assemble Avengers, like that, that kind of thing. Like she could be like the new, you know, Tony Stark kind of character that brings all the characters together and like, you know, messes around with them and that kind of thing. Like, cause it's just, it's such a perfect dynamic that she has. Uh, and it's so fun to watch. And like, yeah, like the, the captain, the end credit scene where she's like, Captain America. Like, it's so <laughs> good. I, I almost had a spit take when I was watching that. Cause it was just so funny. Uh, but yeah, like I, I really am having a lot of fun with this character. And I think they, they, they picked the. They just picked a winner. Like not only did they pick the right character to bring to the MCU, but they picked a winner in the sense that this character can be can be in a lot of projects, and just you can have so much fun with it. They really did. Uh, I, I feel like this stupid, immature sense of pride where I'm like, this was the show I was the most excited for. And it's <laughs> like, uh, but I, like she, she totally is that kind of person that I just want her to, I want her to have this great nine episodes about her arc. And then I want her to go and just start messing around. I want to see her take the piss out of like the really serious characters. Uh, Like I feel like Blade is going to be super serious and like be one of those guys who never smiles. So I want to see her interact with Blade. Uh, Maybe like Reed Richards, just like people who are, Generally, if they were real, you wouldn't want to hang out with them because they're not fun. I want to see her hang out with those people and just kind of mess with their world a bit. Uh, and villains. I want to see her interact with super serious villains uh, yeah. and see you know, how she kind of ruins their day by not taking them as seriously as they believe they should be taken. 
Uh, and it's, Which would I'm, make Doom like such a fun character for yes. that instance, right? But you can't do it too soon because Doom needs to establish himself before he can interrupt his kind of flow to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll inter uh, interact with Wilson Fisk. Maybe she'll be like, I'm Mr. Fisk. So. Yeah. She's you're in doing that territory. She's in that territory, and Wilson's a well established character. Like Big Willie, he's, he's in it. He's a, he's a well-established character. We, we've already gotten the homework done from Daredevil's uh, series, and now he's in Hawkeye. So now it's just him having fun as Kingpin in this series. And it's perfect. It's on, like, honestly, I would not be surprised if we get Kingpin in this episode. Or, sorry, in this series. In this series, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm still riding my train of guest stars are just icing on the cake. I'm only putting all my chips on, on the lady whose name is on the poster. But uh, obviously I'm excited for whoever shows up. And I'm just, I am really happy that we have eight more episodes of this instead of five more. Uh, I feel like they're finally starting to realize that locking into this weird pattern that they were locking into wasn't always to their benefit. And maybe we are going to be all the better for it. Who knows? Maybe. I mean... I like your perspective and you bring up a really solid point, which is like, we can't get too caught up in the world building. We have to remember that these are like the whole point of MCU is like, it's all about character development and that character development leads to bigger events. Like, but, but the focus is still on the character themselves. Speaking from somebody who loves the cameo appearances, because that's that. Like I, I think I love the uh, the individuality of our perception here on these shows, but the potential of the show, you have to think the 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 whole pitch in the trailer was, you know, we are seeing superhumans pop up everywhere, and uh, people with superhuman abilities popping up everywhere, and we need someone to defend them, and we're creating a lawyer division to do that, um, and they want She Hulk to head it. It's a perfect mixture for an opportunity to bring in an X-Men character and like introduce the concept of mutants because we're seeing superhuman individuals popping out of everywhere. Like we see that person jump out of the window. We see a guy in a frog suit fly away. It's, it's just this whole chaos where you could literally introduce any character and then bring it into this world. I agree with you. We are, we are on the street level. And I do like, I, I kind of like the concept that we're seeing like street level, um, you know, cosmic level, and then like uh, mystic level and like, we're, or supernatural level, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm all for that. But at the same time, like you have all the potential to throw in a lot of fun characters and introduce them through She-Hulk, who first of all is off on the amazing foot. She got review bombed, uh, but overall, Every, all the feedback's been like nothing but positive. Like this is an amazing show. Everyone's on board. So you now have a catalyst to really take off with this. Those review bombers were just members of the wrecking crew. And, uh, yeah, probably. They're going to get theirs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited that other people are excited for it because this is off to a great start. Uh, and we got eight more of these to go. Um, so we got okay, okay, hold on, hold on. So we got eight more. We uh -huh. started we started yesterday on the 18th. So we got that's week one. 
We're going to go right into and past D23, which I believe we need to cover live, my friend. We need to react to this uh, announcement, which, uh, fun fact, they are they have announced that Thor will come to Disney Plus on the 8th, uh, which is perfect, uh, which means digital release is coming soon. Which uh, means uh, physical release is coming soon after. <laughs> exactly so i'm i'm very curious to see how that's gonna play out um so yeah so that so it's interesting though because that means we have and there's a reason why i was looking at my calendar one two three four episodes before we hit d23 so they could time it and do a huge character drop uh before then aside from daredevil um that could happen i mean four episodes and there's nine it's possible maybe maybe we've uh, seen a tease for ghost rider we've seen a tease for ghost rider in the yeah. trailer yeah i think i think some uh, some casting news is going to happen at this d23 so you're right oh 100 percent. yeah it'd be really really fun to see your reaction especially if they drop the fantastic forecast because i want to know what that does to you, my friend. Uh, uh, I'm excited. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> so in the meantime, until She-Hulk episode two comes along, Ryan, where can people find you when you're not playing Spider-Man on your PC? Which well, I hope you're oh enjoying. my God, such a great game, by the way. Right? <laughs> oh my God. I waited four years since its release. What, what part uh, are you at? I am current. I just beat Shocker in the bank. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then I just met Osborne, uh, uh, Norman, Storm and Norman. Uh, okay. So that's, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Um, oh, yeah. No, love that game. Um, yeah. So normally you would find me on twitch.tv twitch forward slash Xbox Canada. I've been a bit busy though. I just got promoted and work's been a really chaotic time. So, but I'll be back streaming on there tomorrow uh, from the time of this recording. So, Tuesdays and Thursdays from two to four. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, what else am I doing? uh you can follow me on twitter at crusader online and instagram at ryan j whitehead nice you can find me performing as puck in the midsummer night stream at the old vic theater um, that's a lie i wish it was true you had uh, me going because you would make a great puck oh thank you that would be a fun part to play i've never played shakespeare anything so that's kind of like a dream but also i'm nervous you grew really up in hard. a drama program and you didn't do one shakespeare play we Dude, read a bunch eat. you get which what were you in i was in 12th night oh were yeah. you um were you what's his name oh no i'm thinking of winter's tale never mind i don't know any of the characters in 12th night i was sir andrew that's a good name that's a good <laughs> name yeah, he was uh he was uh he was the loyal knight to the emperor, but he was he was aloof. He was uh he was an idiot and, and Sir Toby would always Sir Toby the, the drunk would always like coerce him into doing all sorts of stupid nonsense. So wait, you're telling me there's knights named Toby and Andrew? Is there a third knight named Tom? <laughs> no. No, no, oh, wow. no. Wow. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I I've at least 
I've been in one Shakespeare play, but I've I've been a stage assistant for like two of them. Damn. Oh no, I was the captain in Romeo and Juliet when I was when I said like mentioned they were dead. So I've done two Shakespeare plays. Okay, no, you have me beat, man. I've I've done a version of Romeo and Juliet that was just like written by the class by the teacher. Um, yeah. And we read a bunch of plays, but I've never actually performed a full in a full play. And I'm it's it intrigues me, but it also frightens me because it's so hard. Because it's like you're not just memorizing dialogue; you're memorizing old English dialogue, and that's a whole other ball game. So it's every time I see a Shakespearean actor, I'm just all the more impressed that they can pull that off. But maybe one day, maybe one day you'll see me as puck. But uh, otherwise, I am just on Instagram and on Twitter at Andrew Fantasia. And uh, you can find me waiting impatiently for the Spider-Man 2 game, whenever that's going to come out. Yeah, and then double that time frame for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good times. But yes, uh, stay tuned as we got more She-Hulk coming up this Thursday, and we will do our best to get it out to you as soon as possible as you enjoy our reviews here on infinity watch yes all my camps are done and i don't work thursday nights so it's gonna be way easier for me with this thursday business but until then stay angry and have a marvelous day